We'll do it live! Hello. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of All Good Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And welcome. Again. <laughs> That's a lot of welcoming. <laughs> yes, it is. Welcome on bienvenue. Welcome. I, I can uh, never really remember our setup for All Good Things, but that's okay. I think it's just the same. Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it works. So, once again, welcome everybody. <laughs> that's the third welcome. You can follow us mm-hmm. on all of our fabulous social meds, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at All Bad Things Pod. Even though this is an All Good Things episode, but we can still yeah. be found under there. Yeah. And you can reach out to us for suggestions, which is the best way to do it, all, all bad things pod at gmail.com. Exactly. And you said we had some housekeeping to do. Yes. So um, if you would like to join the All Bad Things discussion group on Facebook, please do. Please answer the question. I've had a couple go through and on re- like repeat... Without answering the question, I feel it's actually somebody legitimate, but who maybe just isn't catching on. Um, but if you feel like you're, you've gotten turned down, but you're a real person, like you can always message us too and be like, "Hey, what's up?" Mm-hmm. And like that's okay, that's fine. If somehow like, because that did happen once where somebody answered the question but like it didn't come through on facebook until after so it showed temporarily that they hadn't it's very weird anyway like it was some sort of glitch so if you feel like we've turned you down for no reason message us and then we'll know you're a real person and then we'll let you in not a bot (laughs) not a bot (laughs) not a robot not a doctor um uh, but do join yes our uh our discussion group it's fun there um Lots and lots of talk about Beirut these days. Yeah, that was, uh, I've seen that explosion from like, I don't know, 10 different angles at this point. Because it, the video I've, is bonkers. Well, it's, because it's, uh, it's stunning. The, um, in not a good way. The first explosion is just kind of a minor one that kind of gets people's attention, and then mm-hmm. they obviously take out their cell phones and like start filming, and yeah. then comes like what looks like a fucking atomic uh, bomb. Yeah, it does look like an atomic bomb. Even though thankfully it was not. Yeah, but it still had some pretty bad fallout and injuries and deaths, unfortunately. Um, And today, speaking of the atomic bomb, today mm -hmm. is the 75th anniversary of the first ever detonation of an atomic bomb in Mm -hmm. war. Was it Nagasaki or Hiroshima? Hiroshima was the first. Nagasaki was four days later, I think. Okay. So, yeah. So there's there's that too. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, and I, I'm, we may have mentioned this before. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of stuff on it. Uh, apparently, that the whole atomic bomb thing was not completely necessary, but who the hell knows? I mean, there's, there's all this one documentary mm-hmm. I did watch. I, I completely forgot about this part. Um, the Russians, who were our allies in World mm-hmm. War II, had already invaded uh, the northern part of Japan. Oh, so it's kind of like a matter so of time. The, well, so the narrative of, well, we couldn't go into Japan, we would lose all these soldiers, I, there was oh. probably some truth to that. Uh-huh. But and but then again, the Russians are on another level as far as uh, the, those are people we don't want to fuck with, trust me. <laughs> well, but... But the, the narrative of, well, we had to do it, otherwise we would have lost tens of thousands of lives, year by year seems to be more and more... Yeah. There's a shock. Yeah. Um, but back to the the Beirut, um, what appears to be, have been an accidental explosion um, of uh, ammonium nitrate or alamite nitrate or something. It was a chemical that mm-hmm. exploded <clears throat> that was improperly stored, apparently. But that's just the sorry. I'm just looking at Jesse. He's <laughs> yes. being ridiculous. Um, that's just the preliminary story. I don't, and I haven't really like commented or shared or done a whole lot with it because it's weird. I am not, so I'm, obviously we started an entire podcast about disasters. Yes, I'm we did. not, quote unquote, drawn to disasters unless there's, like, separation distance, I guess, from it. A little bit of history behind yeah, it, sure. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm, I kind of feel like it's, I don't like speculating. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I mean, A-okay if anyone else wants to talk about it, but that's why I'm not really said a whole lot about it. Plus, I mean, people 
there's no distance from it. So people lost their family members and are injured horribly. And we're in the middle of millions of people dying, or at least hundreds of thousands of people dying um, throughout this year due to an epidemic. So it's just disaster upon disaster. So, And what a way to kick off an oh episode boy. of All Good Things. Yeah, well... <laughs> But I just wanted to I just wanted to mention those things also because we haven't recorded in a while, so this that's true. This this stuff just happened in the last couple of days, right? And we and we tend to release all good things a lot more timely. We just record and release them whenever, as opposed to like recording ahead of time or whatever, like we do for all all bad things. Um, uh, but also shout out to um, our fearless all bad things yacht club captain Abby for her promotion. Oh, her promotion. Yeah. Yes, very nice. Mm-hmm. Moving on up in the world, just just like I did when I was a young twenty something. <laughs> Except you did at MCI World Cup, I did. which I'm pretty sure didn't it, last very long. Well, it didn't last very long after that. Exactly. <laughs> I think uh, I want to say Verizon bought up whatever was left of the MCI sparks. World Cup. Yeah, the, the spare parts. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we'll take that cabinet drawer, like, and we'll take your. Uh, I believe when I left, the stock was at like twenty five dollars a share, mm-hmm. and it was. At its peak, I want to say it was like 108, mm-hmm. something like that. It was a top 50 stock for, for a while. Mm-hmm. But the uh, talk about the bottom falling out. Yeah. What you drinking? I am drinking a very exquisite <laughs> gin from... Durham Distillery. That's right. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember. Conniption. Conniption. Best gin. It is. It really is. If you, Best gin. I'm going to get... Well, certainly if you're in the Raleigh area, I'm going to guess if you're in North Carolina, maybe you can get Probably. your hands on it. I don't know how store. widely they distribute. I don't it either. Yeah, certainly in the um, certainly in the triangle, you can probably get it. Oh, just absolutely, about anywhere. probably North Carolina, maybe even regionally. I don't know. Uh, shout us out if you find it at a liquor store that's not in the triangle. <laughs> and Durham Distillery, if you ever want to sponsor us, that is a okay with us. <laughs> we'll just take all our payment we'll, and booze, please. We'll, we'll take all your gin. Mm-hmm. And I am <laughs> drinking. Uh, Raleigh Rum Company, right? That's yes. What it was. Mm-hmm. And I think I talked about this in one of our episodes uh, with Sierra Mist. <laughs> yeah, actually. Can I try that again? Yeah. It is good. It is good. And I've got it in a mule mug for no good reason. Wow, that is good. Not bad, It is eh? good with Sierra Mist. I never thought of that. Yeah. Or a lemon, any lemon lime soda. It does... Yeah, I'm not enough of a connoisseur to know, like, oh, well, Sprite is better because of... Or, um... What's... Uh, is there another... Well, is this Pepsi's or is this Coke's? I think it's Pepsi's. Sierra Mist is okay. It was on sale. That's why I got. It. And and it's diet anyway. So anyway, now that we've ran so long in our <laughs> in, in our banter. Oh, who on, the fuck cares? On these episodes that we claimed to try to keep short, which we've done a good job of, I think, for the most part. They're shorter. But yeah, I have no idea what your topic is. Shall we transition into yes. our all good thing? Yeah. Now, because. Uh, let's see, what is today? Thursday. This is Thursday, August, August 6th. 6th. So on August 1st, something miraculous happened. This year? Yes. August 1st? The Stanley Cup playoffs <laughs> uh-huh. came back. In August. In August. We have <laughs> NHL. never happened. We have NHL hockey in August. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's never happened. I haven't actually looked it up. Okay. Um, I think... Go Canes, by the way. Swept the Canes Rangers. Canes with a three-game sweep over the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Sebastian Aho. Thanks to uh, and uh, Reimer. Uh, Reimer played. In it. Reimer is the reason. James Reimer is the reason they won Game Three. Mm. Uh, the scoring came later, but and who got the hat trick early on? Uh, Spechnikov got the hat trick in Game Two, which was the first hat trick in franchise history, meaning the oh, Hartford Whalers as well wow. in a playoff game, which I found the Hartford Whalers in the '80s had some scorers. Huh. They they had uh, like uh, Pat Verbeek. Um, what's the guy's name that I'm trying to think of? Oh, that one. That guy. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> that guy. Um, I'm wanting to say Corey Stillman, but that's not correct. Um, but it, wouldn't it, I would assume that it's harder to score in a playoff game. Yes, because you're playing against the best teams. So there's less chance of but getting the, a hat But the trick. franchise itself is almost... It's an older 40, It's It's 40 plus years old. Uh-huh. Um, so the fact that this was the first hat trick in a playoff oh. game was kind of surprising. Oh, also, poor guy didn't get... So for, for those of you who maybe like me a few years ago didn't know what a hat trick was, <laughs> means a single player scoring three goals within mm-hmm. a game, a single game. And 
traditionally when there are actually people attending the game as spectators, they throw their hats onto the ice in like mad respect. Which people did when that happened, but I'm guessing it was like staff and like people around the room. There were, there were like five hats on the ice. <laughs> it's cute. It's <laughs> yeah. cute that they tried, but you said that they the Canes also like or people at PNC Arena put a bunch of hats in his locker. In his locker and took a yeah. picture. For and you could you could, could tell it was all hats that they sell at the mm-hmm. arena because they had like every different version of a Hurricanes <laughs> and a Whaler because they do and sell they were Whalers. All in pristine condition. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> all from that the was, pro shop. That was kind of funny. So so is this a hockey related good thing? Oh, it is. Oh. Today we are going to delve into the classic movie, Slapshot. Slapshot. <laughs> So uh, I we watched this at some point. I remember nothing about it. Yeah, and you probably fell asleep. I think I did. Yeah, you might have. Um, same with airplanes. Same with spaseballs. Yes. Same with most. And I will enjoy. hold all those grudges against you forever. <laughs> so, Slapshot is a 1977, the year of my birth. That is <laughs> the year of your birth. The year, of the, the, the grand year of my birth. <laughs> Is a 1977 American sports comedy film directed by George Roy Hill and written, surprisingly, Hmm. by a woman, Nancy Dowd. Why is that so surprising? You've seen the movie. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. Okay. Oh, it's body, isn't it? (laughs) It very much is. It's like a a bro movie. Yes, which Uh is why it's strange that it was written by a woman, but not so strange when we get into the details. All right, then. The film also stars Paul Newman when Mm -hmm. he was still... I mean, he was never really he waning. Never really, no, he never really went out. No. But he was not super but, young at this point either. I would say he was probably in his early 50s. Yeah, late 40s. I was, I was going to say he he was not. I mean. He was 80 something when he died. When he, really? When did, when did he die? A couple Boy. years ago? Hey, Siri. I want to say he died in like when 2015. When did Paul Newman die? Paul Newman died September 26th, 2008 at age 83 in West. 2008? I didn't realize was, it was that long wow, ago. he was born in 1925, so he was 52. God. He, is, he was exactly like you said early. He was born in Shaker Heights, Pennsylvania. I, he died of I actually did cancer. know that, yep. So the film, okay. uh, which stars Paul Newman, and in the mid-70s, I think this is probably when it, where he's just at his peak. This is where he's just... Blockbuster after blockbuster. Well, with he him. he was always a draw. Yes, and and he was also uh, like a lot of those like leading men of his time, the Robert Redfords and Steve McQueens and everything. They just like got more dashing and debonair with age too. Just like me. Yes, <laughs> so cute. You are adorable. You are so adorable. Look at your little yes. salt and pepper beard. So cute. So the, uh, well, uh, people are not going to like that. (laughs) (laughs) That you're cute? What? No, I'm kidding. So the film is loosely based on the 1975 Johnstown Jets, who would go on to win the league championship in the now defunct North American Hockey League. Which is like a minor league? It was a minor league for um, the World Hockey Association, which was a rival league to the NHL that started in the mid-70s, mid to late 70s, um, and itself became defunct, and the NHL absorbed the four teams that were left. What were the four teams left? Uh, Well, I know from the research, um, Edmonton was one of them. Oh. Uh, I believe Winnipeg, Hartford... The Hartford, oh, okay. they well, at the at the time, the New England Whalers. Okay. So Winnipeg, Hartford, uh, Edmonton, and there was one other team I know. Okay. So yeah, the NHL absorbed the four teams that were okay. left. So the movie depicts a minor league ice hockey team that resorts to gooning it up, so to speak. Gooning it up. To regain popularity in a declining factory town in order to help the team get sold to business interest in Florida. Okay. Dowd based much of her script, as well as several several of the characters, on her brother Ned Dowd's playing experiences on 1970s minor league professional hockey teams, one of which was the Johnstown Jets. Okay, so that's why you're saying loosely based on that Mm -hmm. team, yeah. While living in Los Angeles, Nancy received a phone call from her brother Ned, who informed her the Johnstown Jets were up for sale at the end of the season. Hmm. While visiting her brother in Johnstown, she became inspired to write the script. While the film received mixed reviews upon release and was only a moderate box office success, it has since become widely regarded as a cult classic and the best sports movie ever made, which is not an opinion. That is a fact. No, that is not fact. Yes, that's a fact. Remember the Titans is the greatest sports film ever made. Not even close. Um, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) 
It has a superior soundtrack, at least. I no, it doesn't. No. Well, what no. Was, name a song on the Slapshot soundtrack. Name a song that happened in the seventies. I know in the, one of the bus scenes, it's. <laughs> We're gonna get right back to where we started from. Is that a? Is that a Super Tramp? I think that's Super Tramp. I think. I'm, anyway, I don't I, know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not great. I'm not great on my '70s bands. That's all right. You're great on your '90s bands. That's why we '80s, '90s, and early 2000s. Yeah. Don't limit me just to the '90s. All right. Well, you can limit me to the '50s, '60s, and '70s. <laughs> I can limit you to 1980 and anything before. Like you know, yeah. songs that were written in like 1472. Well, I think it's really <laughs> funny that when we. You mentioned, uh, we, we walked by Harvest Lane, and you mentioned Harvest Moon, and I launched into, shine on, shine on, Harvest Moon. I sang the whole song, and then you were like, well, I meant the Neil Young version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I meant the Neil Young song. Uh, yeah, well, we maybe have a different frame of reference of our classic music. We might. <laughs> so, uh, from classic music onto a classic movie... Apparently, in your opinion, oh no, the it's best. no, no, no. Okay. it's it, it is so, even better than like Goon or any of the other. Goon, Goon like? is pretty good. Goon is, uh, I think, Goon is kind of in that vein. I think mm-hmm. it's a good successor, but I mean, you just can't. I mean, you can't beat Slapshot. You just can't. Anyway, so the plot of the film uh, takes place in the fictional small town of Charlestown. And the local mill is about to lay off 10,000 workers, indirectly threatening the existence of the town's minor, li- minor league hockey team, the Charlestown Chiefs. Do they um, get into, like, what state they're in? Or is it meant to be just sort of generic northeast? I don't think they necessarily do. I like think it's Pennsylvania, just, Ohio. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's assumed, because the movie is filmed in the 70s, that you're somewhere in the northeast. Yeah. Hockey... Although in, yeah. in the 1970s, the NHL had a huge expansion where, where they did go into the south. Um, hockey in this era is a northeastern Canadian, you know, Canadian American border sport. You and know, that's I gotta it. say, I think it still is completely from a cultural point of view. Mm-hmm. Now there are a hundred percent, like even as we know, Florida is becoming a major. It's becoming a hotbed pipeline yes. for kids of, but, of, of all the states. But it's not organic. <laughs> it's kids of parents who can afford. To put their kids in hockey, it's it's, it's not, not it's not like culturally big. It's, it's just there. that there are it's just that there are basically all the old guys retired there and started coaching. I was going to say that's so the other reason a too. Bed of activity, like, like pretty much if you're a former pro athlete, like just for I'm going to guess for tax purposes, you retire in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, no state income tax. So nowadays you have, I mean, my nephew's hockey coach was mm-hmm. a. 13, 14 year NHL veteran, yep. which is nothing to nothing to slag off, no. as the Brits would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you have all these former players that uh, retire in Florida, yep. and they're like, and they "Well, coach. what else am I going to yeah. do? I'm going to coach hockey and, and play golf, probably yeah, that too." Mm-hmm. But I, but it's still not culturally. I mean, I granted I haven't lived in South Florida for a while now, but I don't think that there's a bunch of like Cuban American kids dreaming of a hockey career it's just not culturally a thing because we're not used to ice down there we and, don't and the, we don't play pickup games and the main, there's nowhere to pick up and the main reason is is because it's expensive to play yeah and, like and you it, can't play it on your own mm-mm. because you can find ice up north mm-hmm. and just do it yourself you cannot do that anywhere no, south of what it. like pennsylvania Virginia, maybe Lakes. like yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah pretty nothing much. else is gonna is gonna ice over enough no. for you to be able to do that safely so so after discovering that the team is to be folded because the mill is closing yeah there's not gonna be people no that audience can af- there's not gonna be people that can afford to go to hockey games yep. mm-hmm. uh and, and that's that's a very it, that, that subtext subtext does not last in the movie very much mm-hmm. but that was a very common occurrence in the 1970s yeah. factories were closing all over and that was just the States. tip of the iceberg, mm-hmm. as we would learn, yeah. So after, <clears throat> um, so after discovering that the team will fold, player coach Reggie Dunlop, or Reg Dunlop, who is Paul Newman's character. Wait, player coach? He's playing at 52? There, there was. there Back in the day, there really? were player coaches. Not only in the NHL, uh, and the, the NBA had player old? coaches. No, they weren't that old. Okay. 
So that's where I think they're giving Paul Newman some license because he. Well, was too I don't old think his character is fifty-two years old. His character is probably like forty-one, forty-two. Well, that's cute, but mm-hmm. he was still a fifty-two-year-old man who looked fifty-two. A great fifty. I was gonna say was Paul Newman. I, I hope I look that way. But when I don't 52. think he looked like he was fifty-two or forty-one. <laughs> rather, I think he looked like he was his age. A great his age, but his age. So Reg Dunlop uh, acquires the Hanson brothers, the club's recent acquisitions and he lets them loose on their opponents. The brothers' actively violent and thuggish style of play excites the fans, and Dunlop retools the team using violence to draw big crowds. (laughs) When in doubt, America, try violence. Go with violence. (laughs) It's our our national pastime. It will definitely draw a crowd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love a good fight. Don't don't get me wrong. I am actively, you know me, I actively hey, hope for fights. By the way, the first couple minutes into the uh, Hurricanes Rangers mm-hmm. first game, Justin Williams gets into a fight. I love was, that it's the oldest badass. guy on the team. He was. He is. He, is. he has not lost his chippiness. <laughs> no. He has the biggest chip on his shoulder. He's like ready to go. So the team's new style produced... Unintended consequences that affect not only Dunlop, but the chief star player, Ned Braden, played by Michael Onkeen, we'll get into him a little bit later, along with the rest of the team. Dunlop exploits Braden's marital troubles and his efforts to get him to take part in the team's brawling to no avail. Several games degenerate into bench-clearing brawls, including one that takes place before the opening face-off. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into that later. And would that another... qualify as a Donnybrook? <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> And another that brings the local police into the locker room to arrest the Hanson brothers. We will also get into that later. Eventually, Dunlop meets team owner Anita McCambridge and discovers his efforts to increase the team's popularity and value through violence have been for naught as McCambridge's better option is to fold the team as a tax write-off. Yeah, see, that's... Yep, yep. (laughs) Yep. By the time Dunlop decides to abandon, abandon the new strategy of violence over skill, the Chief's main rivals in Syracuse have already upped their ante by stocking their team full of goons in preparation for the league's championship mm. game. After being crushed during the first period, the, the, the disgusted general manager tells them that various National Hockey League scouts accepted his invitation to the game as he was hoping that the Chiefs' habitual escapades would get the players signed. Upon hearing this yeah. news, Dunlop, Dunlop decides to have his team revert to their previous violent approach, much to the joy of the spectators. <laughs> When Ned Braden witnesses his wife cheering for the Chiefs, he adopts a similarly radical but still nonviolent way of participation by performing a live strip tease on the ice amidst rousing cheers. <laughs> when the Syracuse team's captain, Tim McCracken, protests against this daredevil demonstration and hits the referee for dismissing him, Syracuse is disqualified, granting the Chiefs the championship. That's just a very... Okay, the surface. Just a very warmed over... Spoiler alert for a a 43-year-old movie. Yes. So, on to the production of the movie. Okay. The movie was filmed in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Oh! Which which is a location that we have visited on All Bad Things before with our Johnstown Flood episode. That's right. So, it was filmed in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Clinton, New York, Utica, New York, and Syracuse, New York. Okay, so they actually went to Syracuse. Yes. Many A-list actors at the time went for the various starring roles in the film with just one small problem. None of them had ever played hockey, and few of them (laughs) could even skate. Yeah. The exception being Paul Newman, who played hockey growing up. Oh, I didn't know that. Steve Carell is the only person I can name off the top of my head. He was a a goalie in college. Yes. His goalie, really? Yes, he was. Huh. Of course he was. Well, I would buy that Michael Scott was a goalie. Steve Carell actually seems like a much more a, stable person. He's a goalie. Yeah. <laughs> if you go on to be a comedian and you're uh, uh, and you played ice hockey, you were a goalie. It's just okay, fair enough. <laughs> for the most part. So to get the proper cast for the movie, Nancy Dowd used her brother Ned and a number of his Johnstown Jets teammates in minor roles in Slapshot. With Ned playing Syracuse goon Ogie Oglethorpe. Ogie Oglethorpe. Oglethorpe? Oglethorpe. Anyway, that's from the movie. That's from the movie. Yes, I gathered that. (laughs) He later used the role to launch a career as a Hollywood character actor, assistant director, and line producer. Oh, well, good for him. Not bad. It's a good uh, little uh, parry into... Yes. 
The aforementioned Michael Ontkeen, who played the character Ned Braden, played college hockey for, and graduated uh, from the University of New Hampshire, which is uh-huh. that's, a, that's a hockey school. That's a big deal, uh, Division One school. Yeah. So, and you can tell in the movie. You can tell in the movie that all these guys, you can't teach somebody how to play hockey in a matter of months. No. You can tell in the movie that these are all players who were, who uh, the only training they did was in acting. Yeah. 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 Can can you tell that they're not actors? Like, is it a little hokey at times or a little poorly acted? We will kind of get into that a okay. little bit later. Okay. Um, in one scene, uh, Charlestown Chiefs announcer Jim Carr remarks that Ned Braden is a, quote, college graduate and an American citizen. <laughs> both, both unusual distinctions for a pro hockey player of the time. <laughs> and I, I, the scene is like, he passes it to Ned Brayden, who is a college graduate and an American citizen. <laughs> was 70s hockey or early hockey really just dominated by Canada? Oh, yeah. Or oh, Canadians? yes. I mean, I know there's yes. still a shit ton of Canadians in the NHL. It was before, um, I would say at this point in the 1970s, the NHL and the minor leagues are probably 90 to 95% wow. Canadians. And what the rest are Americans. Uh. Canadians and Americans are still the top two, but this is the nineteen. This is before the Eastern Europeans come over to play. Play. This is before. No, I know. I'm just asking you what you think yeah. it is now. Um, if you had to hazard a guess, I know you don't have the statistics. I would say half the league is probably American and Canadians, um, and the other combined, half, yes, it, uh, is non North American mm-hmm. people. Okay. Yeah, that's that would be my guess. I know there's, I think there are 15 different countries represented okay. in the NHL. There's quite a few. And Russia, Finland, Norway are the biggest feeders? Uh, the biggest, the, the only six powerhouse countries in hockey are United States, Canada, Russia, Czech Republic, Sweden, Finland. Norway's kind of coming up. Okay. Uh, but then you, you have players from uh, Slovenia. Um, uh-huh. uh, there's a, there's one or two German players. There's, okay. there's starting to be, there's, there's been... I think he's still on the Penguins. There's a Japanese player. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, there's players. Nowadays, there's players, just like in any professional sure, league. Sure, yeah. There are players mm-hmm. from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So the most famous characters of the movie, the Hanson brothers, mm-hmm. are based on three actual brothers, Jeff, Steve, and Jack Carlson, who played with Ned Dowd on the Johnstown Jets. That's funny. This next part is going to get a little confusing, so I'm just going to oh, go good. through it. and. Okay. We'll so just, we'll just take, we'll just deal with it. <laughs> so the the Hanson brothers are easily the most famous part of that movie. Okay. <clears throat> the character of Dave Killer Carlson is based on then Johnstown Jets player Dave Killer Hanson. Oh, Steve. Oh, that's that is confusing because of the last name. <laughs> yes, Steve and Jeff Carlson played their Hanson brother counterparts in the film, but Jack Carlson was originally scripted to appear in the film as the third brother Jack with Dave Hansen playing his film counterpart, Dave Killer Carlson. However, <laughs> I know, it, it, it does get a little gotcha, confusing. Yeah. However, by the time filming began, Jack Carlson had been called up by the Edmonton Oilers, oh, well, then of go. the WHA, to play in the WHA playoffs, so Dave Hansen moved into the role of Jack Hansen, and Jerry Hauser was hired for the role of Killer Carlson. That's a lot of names. It is. Paul Newman, claiming that he swore very little in real life before the making of Slapshot, said to Time Magazine in 1984, quote, there's a hangover from characters sometimes. There are things that stick. Since Slapshot, my language is straight out of the locker room, unquote. (laughs) Newman stated that the most fun he ever had making a movie was on Slapshot as he had played the sport while young and was fascinated by the real players around him. During the last decades of his life, he reportedly called Reg Dunlop one of his favorite roles. There are several scenes in the film based on real-life events that took place in minor league hockey games in the 1970s. So that's where I said before, we're going to get into that. Okay. Now we're going to get into what, you know, because this, uh, Nancy Dowd, who writes the script, is basically Mm -hmm. just basing it on her brother's stories, hanging out with the Johnstown Jets in their 1976 season. Real events, yes. Just to get a feel for, and you could not have written a better... I obviously didn't play hockey in the 1970s. I was mm-hmm. born in 1977. But you could not have gotten a better understanding. If you want to understand what playing the sport of hockey is like, mm-hmm. watch this movie. Huh. There's less violence today. Uh-huh. 
but it's still pretty violent. And I'm going <laughs> to guess the, a whole lot of misogyny and a lot of Not shit. really too much. Not really. Because there just weren't women in the movie. No. <laughs> Not really. There are, there are a couple. I mean, there are a couple. See? No misogyny. There just weren't women in yeah, the movie. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit probably, but again, you, you got to remember the times. <laughs> so, in the movie, the Hanson brothers wear black-rimmed Coke bottle eyeglasses... And in one game, get into a fight immediately after the opening face-off. In reality, what happened was that both Jeff and Steve Carlson wore those types of glasses and did get into a long fight right after an opening face-off. <laughs> Coach Dick Roberge... Wait, with each other? No, with the other team. Oh, okay. Coach Dick Roberge told the Johnstown Tribute Democrat, <laughs> quote, We got into Binghamton about two or three weeks before the playoffs. And the team warm-up were out there, and all the Bing- Binghamton players came out with the plastic glasses and big noses, oh. every one of them poking fun at the Carlson brothers. We went back in the dressing room, and the boys said, Coach, as soon as that puck is dropped, we're pairing up. <laughs> we ha- Which means they're mm-hmm. going to get into a fight. We had one heck of a fight. They went about 30 minutes until everyone got tired. <laughs> we, we met- <laughs> 30 minutes? That's a long time to fucking... I, Jesus. That's a long time. I why can't imagine they, that. Why did the refs let it go so long? Probably because everybody was going at it and they couldn't break up everything. Like, we don't get paid enough to. And probably after a while, they just were just like, "Fuck this! We'll just let them punch each other did out." They even play a game that day. Uh, they did not. Okay. Uh, we met them again in the finals and beat them four straight. I was gonna say if they fought for thirty minutes, they're not gonna be able to play. Another scene in the film. I think these are all revolving around the Hanson brothers. I think so. Anyway, another scene in the film shows the Hanson brothers jumping the Peterborough Patriots during the pregame warm-ups. This is based in a mid-70s North American Hockey League playoff series between the Johnstown Jets and the Buffalo Northsmen. The Jets had a black player on their roster, and during a playoff game held in North Tonawanda, New York, which is a suburb of Buffalo, a Norseman fan held up a derogatory sign stating blacks should be playing basketball instead. The next game in the series was held in Johnstown, and the Jets retaliated by attacking the Norseman players during the warm-ups with a huge brawl erupting. <laughs> the Norseman players and coaches then returned to the dressing room and refused to come out to start the game. The game was awarded to the Jets by forfeit, yeah. as was the playoff series since the win, quote-unquote, gave the Jets the number, oh. the needed number of victories to capture the series. And yet another scene depicting real-life events. In the film, Jeff Hansen scores a goal and is hit in the face by a set of keys thrown by a fan. A the, oh! The Hansons then go into the stands after the fan, <laughs> and Jeff Hansen punches out the wrong fan several oh, no. times. Oh, no. After the game, the, the Hansons are arrested for the incident. Yeah, called us all. In real life... A similar incident occurred in Utica, New York, in a game between the Johnstown Jets and the Mohawk Valley Comets. Jeff Carlson was hit in the face by a cup of ice thrown by a Utica fan and went into the stands after the fan with brothers Jack and Steve. All three were arrested, and Dave Hansen gathered the money for bail for the Carlson brothers. The game was called on the local Utica radio station by Bob Costas. Oh, wow! Who was just starting his broadcasting How career funny. at the time. There is a documentary on that particular event uh-huh. that is uh, essentially hosted by Bob Costas. He's talking How about funny. it. And he was talking about after they bailed them out from the police station, a bunch of the Mohawk Valley Comets fans like showed up, like hundreds of them, he said. Because he's the radio broadcaster, so he rides mm-hmm. with the team on the bus and stuff like that. Gotcha. So they got on each side of the bus and, sh- and were trying to tip Just, over oh their my, bus that's... before they took off. Jeez. <laughs> Didn't something happen? I feel it was the NBA, but I could be wrong. Something happened within the past year or two where a fan did something or egged somebody on that and would ended be, up. That would be the 2004 Malice at the Palace. No, mm-hmm. I feel like it was something way more recent than that. I mean, way more recent, like super but recent. But you're talking about a couple NBA players going into the stands and fighting. Yes, but it happened more recently. So I, something else happened I more recently. doubt it because the the player involved in that incident got suspended for the rest of the season, I think for the next season as well. It was something literally in the news. Oh, though. okay. I, I'll have to look I it guess up. I, Maybe I, I'm misremembering. Yeah, but that, that did happen in the NBA. The, the only time I know is in 04 when that happened. What? Who was it? <clears throat> it was the Detroit Pistons and somebody else. What Another happened? Team. 
Uh, a fan threw something from the... You don't see the fan throw it. You just see it landing on... I cannot remember the player's name. But it hit somebody? Uh, he was what literally was laying on the scorer's table for some reason. It was just like a cup of uh, beer or whatever. Uh-huh. And Why was he laying on the table? Because he's an idiot. But anyway, so he gets hit with this thing, and he just goes into the stands. And the funny, And the funniest thing is, the guy that's cheering for him to come into the stands... That's who he goes after. Oh, no. <laughs> Wrong guy. The guy's like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, no, no, no. Not no. me, not like, me. Oh. Yeah, I would not want a 6'10", 260-pound no. like, guy coming after me. Well, here's like, just no, a general rule of thumb. If you're a normal person, as an yeah. average yeah. like us. You do like, not want to fuck with these people. With no athlete. <laughs> no. no athlete. You will not win against an athlete Mm-mm. if you are a non-athlete. I'm sorry. They've dealt and with, if you're they, an amateur, you will not win yeah. against a pro. So They've dealt with worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like to them, exactly. To them, do this not is like think a, you can... This is like a picnic. You can out uh, maneuver somebody who maneuvers for like, a living. I, you'll hear it like, in, like, oh, I could I could fight that guy. And it's like, no, you couldn't. It's like, just stop. Just, just, yeah, stop. Stop it. <laughs> stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> so now we have, um, and again, because this is all good things, we're just kind of doing the broad strokes. Mm-hmm. We're not really doing a deep dive. So now we have... <clears throat> So now we have um, the story of the film, what the film yeah. is about, Production. what it was, what it was like to produce the film. So now we are on to the release and the reception of the film. Okay, yeah, because you said it wasn't. It became more of a cult classic. Oh, very much so. The film was only a moderate hit upon release, grossing twenty-eight million dollars over its theater run, which placed it at number twenty-one among movies released in nineteen seventy-seven, and well below the grosses of Paul Newman's three previous wide-release films: The Towering Inferno. Yeah. The Sting. I was going to say The Sting came out around then. I've seen both of those. I've never seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Neither have I. But anyway, all those films grossed over $100 million worldwide. Well, because he was... Uh, well, wasn't Butch Cassidy also, and um, The Sting also Robert Redford? Wasn't that the, the two of them together? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance, Sundance Kid was also Robert Redford? The Sting was... Was 100% Robert Redford. No. Was yeah. Paul Newman... Yeah. Anyway. Hey, Siri. Oh, God. (laughs) Who starred in The Sting? I don't remember Robert Redford in that movie. Which one? Here are some options. Yeah, there was a sequel. The Sting features Paul Newman, Robert Redford. Oh, okay. Why do I not remember him? Oh, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. From uh, Jaws. And the the older guy that always smokes cigars. um, Oh, that one. Who died in the 80s. Burgess Meredith. No. (laughs) He just literally just threw out his his name. name. He was an an older actor. He would have been really old at that time. Anyway, I haven't seen, I literally haven't seen that movie since I was like 16. Same. Um, So anyway, so, so uh, Paul Newman is coming off a slew of huge hit movies. And this one is just like, eh, it's kind of there at at the time. You know, an interesting thing too, all of those movies that were big box office hits were him and another box office draw. Robert Redford in two cases, and Steve McQueen. That's right, Steve Actually, McQueen was Tarn- in uh, Towering Inferno. Inferno. was like a cavalcade of stars. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, a lot of star power in that There's movie. There's also a backstory to that movie about uh, where people's names get put on movie posters. But that's a yes, whole, that's right, that's the staggered, different, yes. staggered credits. That's a whole different... That uh, you can be on the bottom left or the mm-hmm. top right, and that sort of like helps even out mm-hmm. when you have two big egos that yes. don't want to have one, the other one listed first. <laughs> So the Hollywood Magazine Variety wrote that, quote, Director George Roy, George Roy Hill, why is that so hard to say? George, George Roy, Roy Hill. George Roy Hill. George Roy Hill. Is ambivalent on the subject of violence in professional ice hockey. <laughs> He's like, I'm just making a movie. <laughs> half the know. time Hill invites the audience to get off on the mayhem. The other half of the time he decries it. You can't huh. really have it both ways. And this compromise badly, this compromise badly mars the handsomely made universal release produced by Robert Wunsack and Stephen Friedman, unquote. Well, that's interesting. So, so his contention, this critic's contention, was that, like, make up your mind. Are you saying that this is like? I kind of see where he's coming from. He's he in the movie. They're trying to use the nonviolent approach specifically through one player, which was uh, the character of Ned Brayton, who Michael Onkeen plays, who played college hockey in University well, of New Hampshire. This is also like. Post Vietnam, so I can see the this idea is when the, that the whole country is just losing its mind. I can and see the idea of like, oh, but violence isn't the answer. But 
Or is it? What? Oh, oh, here's like a thesis waiting to happen. Slapshot as a, a psychological uh, metaphor of post-Vietnam America. I, maybe. You uh, can read whatever you want into anything. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. If you decide to do that for your thesis, kindly credit me. Absolutely. Thank you. Vincent Canby of the New York Times described the performances as impeccable and thought the film <laughs> had a kind of vitality to it, quote unquote, but found it real players, but found it unfunny and noted an <laughs> ambiguous point of view with regard to violence. Well, I same criticism. Yep. kind of. Gene Siskel gave the film ah. two and a half stars out of four in his original print review, writing that, quote, what Slapshot does to its ultimate failure <clears throat> is exaggerate every one of its fine facets. It's as if those locker room tape report recordings had been edited to remove the silences and banalities to include only the most outrageous sex and violence. And regrettably, Slapshot moralizes about violence <clears throat> in its tacked-on whipsaw ending. This after filling the screen with nonstop mayhem. Unquote. Hmm. Oh, so again, inconsistencies mm-hmm. in the viewpoint of violence. That's interesting. That pops up multiple times. Years later, he said, quote, My initial review was mixed, and then I saw it two weeks later, thankfully... And I knew it was a terrific film. Huh, so he changed his mind on it. He included it among the runners-up on his year-end list of 10 best films of 1977, explaining that, quote, the more I saw it, the more I liked it. That's funny. That's funny. I bet a lot of critics wish that they had the ability. Because they just have to, like, watch and react, watch and react. And plus, But you have not to, all movies are like that. And plus, you have to put films in context, yes. what, which you can't necessarily do in the moment. Yeah, I mean, no. You, uh-huh. I mean, you really you can't. Re- Some movies you literally need to think about. Yeah. Like, you need reflection to decide how you feel about it. I remember, um, probably the biggest example of that that I remember when I was a kid growing up was uh, the movie Platoon, mm. which... Um, I saw is, once and that was which, Yeah, I've seen it several times because it's a great movie. Um, but at the time, I remember it being... It did win the... I'm pretty sure it did win Best Picture. But I remember at the time, like the dig on it was, um, it's not a it's not a realistic depiction of like Vietnam mm-hmm. and this and that. Mm-hmm. Even though it was written and directed by a Vietnam veteran, mm. being Oliver Stone. Mm. Um, but that's another film. Like as a as you go on and you look back, it's like mm-hmm. that's a pretty poignant film. Mm. And it, at, at the time it was made because the film is about essentially American com- American soldiers' descent. Like they're like we don't have want anything to do with this war. Yeah. At the time, that was kind of seen as, because it's 1986, it's Ronald Reagan's yeah. America. But looking back on it, it's like, it's like, well, yeah, what else would the fuck would they have been feeling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you drag yeah. people 8,000 miles across the world to fight in a war for... Well, plus, eh? so many films either benefit or suffer as a result of hindsight. hindsight. Yep, absolutely. And a result of whatever happens next. Yeah. Because no filmmaker can can predict what's no. going to happen next in culture or history. So what you've put to film may like become highly pertinent or right. it could become completely obsolete yeah, and, and or it could be laughable. And part and of it and you can you can you see this know. you can see this decade by decade by decade. I don't think people are trying to do this on purpose because I don't think you can. But you can see the cultural overtones in decades yes. of mm-hmm. movies. Every yes. every eighties movie has like a very not yep. every many eighties movies has a has a machismo. Era, you can tell what era a film is made in. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the um, okay, this film is about in his like here's a World War Two movie. You can tell the difference between a World War Two movie made in the sixties, made in the seventies, made in the eighties, made in the nineties, oh, made God, today. Yeah. Like yeah. it. it it you can it's because of film style. It's it's the same way you can tell a novel was written in a certain period or whatever. Different conventions come and go. Absolutely. And listen to us being all art critic-y. All film critic-y and, and shit. I'm out of rum. Uh oh. Well, good thing we're on to the legacy of the film, which is go. where we will wrap it up. <laughs> okay. So the legacy of Slapshot is still. Uh, oh, sorry. So the legacy of Slapshot. Slapshot is still considered one of the best sports movies ever filmed and has a reputation from professional hockey players from mm. that era as being essentially a documentary film about <laughs> what it's like to play minor league hockey That's in the so 1970s. Funny. Critical reevaluation of the film continues to be positive. 
1998, Maxim Magazine named Slapshot the best guy movie of all time. Oh, fuck above, Maxim Magazine. Above such, such acknowledged classics as The Godfather and Raging Bull and Newman's own Cool Hand Luke. I'm sorry, but can I just say in a very quick rant, hmm? that means jack shit because Maxim is a fucking ridiculous I publication. I don't think it exists anymore. Well, I don't think good, it does. Because it was stupid. I enjoyed it at the time. Anyway. Well, yeah. Straight <laughs> men are going to enjoy the hot 100. I'm Fuck sh- that hey, I'm shit. Sure, I'm sure there were plenty of gay women that enjoyed it, too. Anyway. Not when it was told from a super fucking misogynist point of view. I'm talking about the pictures. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? The I don't know. Shuffle it down there? So, Entertainment Weekly ranked the film number 31 on their list of the top 50 cult films in the... No- and in the November 2007 issue of GQ, Dan Jenkins proclaimed, proclaimed Slapshot the best sports film of the past 50 years. Uh, you know, I gotta say, I betcha if I watched, if I sat down and watched it right now, I would hate it. I don't think you would. There, there's too I, many, I, mm. there's, there's too many funny things in it. But here, here's why. You also think 16 Candles is hilarious. It is. No. It's a travesty to humanity, is what 16 Candles is. <laughs> so I just feel we have different acceptable thresholds yes, of we do. film. Yes, we do. Rotten Tomatoes has the film at a fresh ah. rating of 85% based on 33 wow. reviews with an average rating of uh, 7.09 out of 10. Yeah. And the critical consensus stating... Raunchy, violent, and very funny. It, Slapshot is ultimately set apart by a wonderful comic performance by Paul Newman. Did it sort of maybe set up or starting to get into like the Animal House era, like of the '80s raunchy comedy? I'm not so sure because it was. I mean, it really was based in this world that really did exist. It was based in a world of minor okay. league professional yeah, hockey enough. in uh-huh. the in the 1970s, and. Apparently, according to players who played in that era, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to take their word for it, mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah. like they said, like it was essentially a documentary of what it was like to, to play in that in that mm-hmm. era. Because in that era, <clears throat> I do know this historically, being a hockey fan, you had several minor league, minor hockey leagues were not as assembled as they are today. Uh, regions had their own leagues. Things like that. I gotcha. I gotcha. There was and, less umbrella yes. organization. Yeah. And in the nineteen, and I mean, that's where hockey came to be known as. You know, uh, Roddy Dangerfield used to have the old joke like, "I, w- I went to a fight and a hockey game broke oh. out." You <laughs> yeah. know, it, it had that reputation by the nineteen seventies of being an uber violent sport. Uh huh. That for some reason people signed up to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the the violence in football in the 1970s was also very high, but uh-huh. not even close. I mean, just well, they not couldn't even... actively fight and get away with it uh, for as long as they did. They in... could. It was not just, for it just, thirty minutes. No, <clears throat> it just wasn't. <clears throat> it, it just not. It was not accepted as a part of the game like it was in hockey. That example of the thirty minute fight and that they didn't never even played the game is the literal reality of Rodney Dangerfield's joke. Yes. He did it, like if you went to that game you couldn't even see it. Regarding that moment in the in the movie mm-hmm. cuz you know I'm going to have to do my movie quotes. Yeah, go ahead. But uh I, I mentioned earlier uh the player uh the the character Dave Killer Carlson. Mm-hmm. So uh he's kind of like a you know third fourth line guy and he decides he's going to be one of these guys that goes with the coach with Coach Reg Dunlop's plan mm-hmm. of fighting and being violent. Mm-hmm. So he basically, he gets his ass kicked in, in one film, or one scene in the movie, which mm-hmm. leads to the Hanson brothers making their debut. Okay. <clears throat> so he's being interviewed by uh, Charlestown Chiefs radio announcer, Jim Carr. Jim Carr again. Jim Carr here. <laughs> and Jim Carr is like, you know what, Dave? He was like, the other day, I was outside of my house, and I saw these kids playing hockey in the street. Six, seven-year-old, you know, little mites. And the one kid picked up a stick and said, I'm Killer Carlson. And he just creamed that little boy that was next to him. <laughs> I was wondering how you feel about that. And Killer Carlson goes, it's like, well, the way I feel about it is the kid probably would have done it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bad upbringing in the home, things like that. <laughs> anyway, that is one of my favorite lines from the movie. Um, 
Okay, where am I now? I'm so off base. Anyway. <laughs> it's all right. We've basically gotten the uh, yeah, we've, length we've of gone, the normal episode. Yes, we have. <laughs> we, we apologize for that. Hey, we're That's not too, making them listen. That's true. I was going to say we apologize for that for everybody except for Zach. I'm sure Zach uh, is enjoying this. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I know Zach has seen this he, film. Here's a here here's a full episode for Zach. We should dedicate full episodes of all good things to our our power listeners. Yes. And uh Abby and uh Lee and Lee's Lee's getting into hockey. Uh, uh that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of the goal of this podcast, to get more people into hockey. <laughs> So to to end things, mm-hmm. in an interview by Sports by Sports Illustrated for the 40th anniversary of the film, longtime NHL player Jeremy Roenick stated about the film, quote, I still can't believe it when I hear 18, 19, 20-year-old players who weren't even close to being born when the movie came out quoting lines from Slapshot. <laughs> the movie is almost as big a part of the game as the game itself. Well, unquote. <laughs> when are you going to show it to... Do you think... Uh... Oh, Tyler's probably already seen it. Yeah. I'm sure okay. he has. And if he hasn't, then yeah, we'll watch it together. Okay. He's probably old enough at this point. He's 15. Yeah, he's 15. I mean, I I think I and saw it for the first... And making dildo jokes. So. Yes, he is. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think I was 14 or 15 the first time I saw it. Okay. So, yeah. And it's probably tamed by today's but, standards. But when I was years. 14 and 15, the movie was literally 14 and 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> And now it's 43 40, years old. <laughs> It'll probably look to him like if you had watched a 1940s. <laughs> I remember how it looked at the time, but I mean, the movie was so goddamn funny and very accurate. I mean, even, I mean, I obviously never played professional hockey. Just sort of but the just milieu of hockey. The, the, I don't know that anyone else has ever said the I milieu of hockey. I don't hockey. think they have. The culture <laughs> yes. of hockey, mm-hmm. and pl- it's, it's very... Like, obviously, this was written by somebody who knew the game. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. A, a, whose, a, whose brother played the a game. A woman who hung out with these people, mm-hmm. who learned from these people, who grew up with these people. Yeah. And Hockey players. And I completely believe, like, yeah, I mean, even the players in there, they're like, yeah, it's a documentary. Like, it's not, <laughs> like, it's not a movie. <laughs> and you can, you got that sense, even mm-hmm. when I was growing up, like, they get it. Like, there's a whole, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's how the culture is. Probably not still. Right. But... Well, hopefully. Uh, can uh, can I ask you a question? What What were you going to do? You worked on a different. Topic oh my god, that's switched. right. I I I meant to bring that. I <clears throat> was going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. For an all good thing, I was going to do uh, the Mike Milbury shoe incident, which is. Oh, is he the guy who threw a shoe at Bush? No, no, no. No. That happened in Japan. He is a former NHL player okay. who is currently an NHL broadcaster okay. who, uh, when he was playing for the Bruins and they were playing against the Rangers, I believe this was in 1979 or 80, um, a scuffle got involved somehow in the stands. The Bruins players went up into the stands and Mike Milbury beat the shit out of one guy with his own shoe. Like, you can see in the video, like, he, the guy goes to kick him and he grabs him and he takes his shoe off and he starts... <laughs> Fucking hitting him in the But there wasn't wow. a whole lot to the game. There wasn't a whole lot to the, the actual there just story. There wasn't a lot to... Other than that. Meet. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, you know, uh, a massive brawl erupting between fans and... A- I was like, is that a really good thing? I was like, it's funny. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> it's I will like- tell you. Um, if you're interested at all in hockey, or not even all that interested, but you're a sports fan and desperate for something to watch, this Stanley Club... Oh, wait, they're not even calling it the playoffs. They're calling it the qualifiers. qualifiers because it's such a weird year are going on right now. And it is really interesting to watch a, like a high stakes game going on in a sport with no one watching right. except, for except for the players and the staff, the normal staff that you would see. You were even saying like they're getting camera angles that they couldn't because before with with fans fans. right so they would they would be getting the cameras too close to fans otherwise so now there's different angles and stuff it's so so interesting to see like the um that they're still playing (laughs) the the pump-up music and it's just it's just it's a very surreal um thing but i will say it's been fucking great i cannot see a difference (laughs) in the players if anything they're like going at it like even even more. harder, yeah. And then there's also a lot of really interesting, um, just technical stuff that they do that they talk about in the downtime and everything about, um, like all these 
all these players are quarantining mm-hmm. together. They are not seeing their friends and nope. family for the entire duration. They're all rooming separately. Like, there's basically no... It's not it very is much hockey, interaction. Hockey and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess sort of the consolation prize for the teams that lose is that at least they get to go home and see their friends and family. For, I mean, people are leaving their kids and potentially not seeing them for and weeks. And, and, uh, and they're also not being paid. So, Really? Yeah. They. Um, I didn't realize this. I read an article about this a month ago. Uh, NHL players are not paid during the postseason. They make all their money up front during the regular season. Oh. All they get in postseason is bonuses. Well, don't shake a stick at bonuses. Right. Obviously. <laughs> get it? Don't take, shake a hockey <laughs> stick at bonuses. <laughs> but... Um, like as it stands, um, because they have done anyway. It, technically, they are not being paid right now. I, I gotcha. And it's if it's based on performance, yeah. But that's like they showed a little video um, of the Canes watching videos from their families, like cheering them on because they can't see them. They even asked one of the players, uh, or no, 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 not. This is in a video you were watching today. Like they're talking with. Rhymer mm-hmm. about like how did you guys celebrate like what did yeah. that look like <laughs> did you just go back to your room and I didn't hear his answer I didn't but... either really yeah <laughs> but it, it's just like well he he said something like that he was like there's a restaurant in the hotel that we hang out in like something like that yeah <laughs> that is so sad <laughs> yeah they're like well there's the hotel restaurant <laughs> yeah. And I'm guessing that, like, that hotel, no one else is staying there. Hell no. I, I'm guessing no. they just rented out the places yep. so that they wouldn't have cross-contamination no, with other guests. absolutely not. And so it, and it's, it's probably only certain people can work on yeah. certain days and And, and it was interesting, too, because I did notice that, like, this, the staff on the sidelines, do they call it sidelines in hockey? No, the, the boards. The boards. Okay. Yeah. Um the like the players and the coaches no masks but some of the staff were mm-hmm. wearing, we're wearing masks. masks the medical staff for uh, sure okay well yeah that, I think, that i guess that makes sense because i've seen the the trainers that are usually there's usually one or two trainers behind the bench and i've mm-hmm. seen them they're wearing masks and they're wearing gloves my guess is they're they're isolating the same yeah. though cuz they can't they have to be yeah. yeah so and the refs and mm-hmm. and everybody and the um are the uh, broadcasters doing the I same? I would guess. I would guess everybody is doing it. Mike Maniscalco's yeah. now up to the big job yes. with Trip Tracy locally. Doing play-by-play. Mm-hmm. And they were separated by a, a gla- big yes. plexiglass mm-hmm. thing. Obviously, they can't wear masks when they're calling, but... I, I can say this. I mean, they they did it the right way. Um, bringing it back. I mean, there's been fucking six games five or six games on a day every day for the past five <laughs> yeah. days and it's been awesome like i fucking love it mm-hmm. and i'm going to say this and i'm probably going to regret it mm-hmm. after watching all three of the hurricanes games and knowing that the players that they have i think they can win the cup this year well can the fact that you saying they can win that doesn't are you saying they are you predicting that they will i am predicting that the Carolina Hurricanes will be your 2020 Stanley Cup quarantine champions. Aww. Because I think well, after, after watching that series, and like you know, me and Chad and Jason were talking about mm-hmm. it yesterday. I'm like, I'm like, I'm confident that they can beat anybody. Hmm. You know, I do, I do think that like in these trying times. It feels like it raises the stakes on everything. I think it does. It's sort of that. Um, cold war feel of like this is for something else this is for something greater this is for uh humanity (laughs) at this point you know i said cold war because of the miracle on ice sort of thing but um but yeah just kind of the idea that especially for those players i can understand like if we are gonna go through all this shit quarantining and not seeing our families it better be better win it it. (laughs) yeah like we, we can't not win this and and when the stakes become really high is typically when the best of athletes do their best so it it is yeah it is it is really really interesting and i just many many fingers crossed for all of them that because they're in this bubble there's no cross-contamination they're able to just stay all healthy and safe and their families do too so that they can go back when you know it's time to and and be okay um, it's been. I'm just. I'm just so fucking 
happy that the NHL is you, back. <laughs> you know, I, I will say this, and again, this is uh, something may may regret, but as it stands now, it appears that things in the States are starting to slow slightly and plateau slightly in many places. I don't think that means that we are anywhere close to being out of the woods um, and, and until we have a vaccine that just won't happen. Um, but I, 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 again, keeping my fingers, you know, it's funny. Every time I keep my fingers crossed and then get heartened by like, oh, I see this person, you know, at the store is wearing a mask. Everybody's being very like, oh, cooperative. Look a, oh, look, a puppy. And <laughs> everybody's being very cooperative and following the rules. Then you see all the shit of... Like, the fucking lady at the DMV who wouldn't wear her mask. And just, like, fucking idiots. And... Yeah, uh, I, I did get into it with somebody on Twitter today. And after a while, I was like, okay, this is why I don't do Twitter anymore. I was like, because of shit like this. Here's the thing. Wear your fucking goddamn mask. I swear to Christ, I will come and beat your ass if you don't, listeners. That I threatened our listeners. I didn't mean it that way. I meant it. You're smarter than that. If you are listening to us, you are smarter than that. You're better than that. You're, there you go. You are better than that. You do not have to be the, the person who thinks that it means some sort of... You know, you know, you're stronger than that. You don't have to think that stupid group think that, oh, this is an infringement on our freedom. And if yeah, it's because, a matter because, of... Because if you think that way, then so is wearing pants out in public. <laughs> and if it's a matter of... Now, here's the one thing I genuinely understand. Accessibility. Like... Yes. I, oh, I'm run, I've run out of masks or I can't afford... <laughs> Holy shit, the amount of financial crisis right now. Mm-hmm. If you can't afford it or whatever... Oh, fucking please get a hold of us. Right. Like we will and, help. And I, I didn't mean to say that. We've, we've kind of slagged off on that. I, I, now I'm now I'm becoming a <laughs> You're person all of British the UK. All the time. I'm all British all the time. Um, <laughs> we did just watch an episode of the British. We office. did. Um, and we've kind of been forgetting to say this because I think I think just what's going on is kind of it, be, it's, it's, feels it feels normal now. Yeah, which is sad. Um, but we know that economic hardship is only going to get worse from here on out. This is. And it's already this awful. is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, so if you if you need food, if you need help for rent, if you need help for your mortgage, please reach out to us. Mm-hmm. We will help you in any way we can, yes. and we stand by that statement. Yes, we will do anything we can, and if we can't, if you help, need masks, we will, we will yes buy we, masks and send them to you. We will figure out how to get you what you need. You know, it's it's such a it's because there's crises on every level, right? There are people who literally are getting evicted because they lost their jobs and because capitalism is the work of the devil, <laughs> if there were a devil. And um, so, like, horrible, literal, like, people ending up on the streets sort of situations. Yeah, the, the but eviction th- but stuff has already a, started. It runs a gamut, <clears throat> too. That's not the only threat. There are people, um, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this, but, like, our listener Lee, um, author and uh, host of the podcast Civil Orgasms, uh, whose wife works for the public school system, mm-hmm. and she's been told, either you fucking show up to work in person and risk your life or you don't have a job. And so as a result, they're having to quarantine. Like she has to quarantine from her own husband. Hey, I I mean, we all love freedom, right? Show up to your job at at the cost of your own health or you're fired. Yeah, there's freedom. I mean, that's freedom. So, you know, it's putting a lot of people in a lot of horribly uncomfortable situations, having to decide between their own safety and economics, like survival. And it's so unfair and it's so unnecessary that like the only thing that we can do is show up for each other. Mm -hmm. I'll say the trite thing of and vote, but I get it. Trust me. I understand how trite that is, but please do vote. Um, (laughs) For our president, absentee and mail-in ballots are the same thing. In fact, um, but I will say, if you can do so in a safe manner, please show up and vote. Yeah. If, if you're not comfortable with that, or it, it it will put you in any sort of peril, then understandably, yes, please get your mail-in ballot and do do it that way, 100%. Um, but uh, but uh, aside from that, like, literally, we're on our own. And I, I mean that, like, as 
the citizens of America and the, the people living in America. So we're all we've got and we've got to show up for each other. And what a <coughs> nuts. <laughs> Were you going to say something really <laughs> profound there? Or? No, I was okay. not. I just stumbled <laughs> over my words. And what a good way to wrap up an episode of all good things. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to be too chipper right now. It's a tough time. Yes. But, um, is it Slapshot with an exclamation mark? I or actually, I, I believe it's that? actually, I believe it's Slapshot as two words, slap oh, and slap shot. shot. Oh, I, I think would so. have said, I would have said, well, I'll look it up before I do that. <laughs> I just see it stylized as Slapshot with <laughs> like a big boing, like cartoon. It might have been. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, like internationally. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, that would be so funny to see what the international, international titles poster. were. Because that's, yeah. that's a weird Those are great. Phrase. Yeah. All right. So that was Slapshot. <laughs> with an exclamation point. <laughs> and this has been another episode of All Good Things. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. We'll see you sometime.